Luke chapter number five, look with me at verse number one. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entering in, or entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out to the deep and let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have told all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, he they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned into their part unto their partners, which were in another ship, in the other ship, excuse me, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sing. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And then you can be seated for the message from the word of God this evening. Our dimly Father, as we come to your presence to pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the privilege and opportunity you've given us to be in your house this evening. Thank you, Lord, for this place and the meaning that it has for us. Thank you, Lord, for our pastor. Thank you, Lord, for each member of this church. Lord, they've been a blessing to us down through the years. But, Lord, I pray that you'd help me this evening not to worry about what man says or not to worry about what so-and-so is going to think or anything like that. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach what thus saith the Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this evening, Lord, not to leave here the same way we came in. Lord, help us to leave here being, cha being challenged by the word of God and changed by the spirit of God. Lord, put a watch care about my mouth. Help me not to do or say anything that will grieve or quench your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to do and say everything that you want said and done for your honor and your glory. Lord, if there's one lost soul under the sound of my voice this evening, Lord, I pray that you'd save them for time and for eternity. Lord, no one backslidden on you. Lord, would you bring them back to yourself. Lord, help us not to leave here in the same way we came in. Lord, help us to leave here being changed and challenged by your honor, for your honor and your glory. We'll thank you and we'll praise you for it's in your son's holy, wonderful, precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I'd ask that you keep your Bibles open for the message from the Word of God this evening. Luke chapter number 5, very familiar passage of Scripture. And I want to just give you some different things just by way of introduction. And Brother Gravely has already kind of preached part of my introduction this evening. But I want to get right into it this evening. Look at verse number 1 with me. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the Word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Number one this evening, I want to see, I want to just mention this about the pressing for the scriptures. Here in verse number one, the Bible says that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. They wasn't coming to hear a book. They wasn't coming to hear a lecture, but rather they was coming to hear the word of God. Here's the thing this evening. I don't come to church to be taught out of a book and I'm not against books. I have books in my office. I have books in my library and you do too. But here's the thing this evening. I didn't come to hear a book, a message out of a book. I came to hear the book this evening. And here's the thing about it this evening. When we go to church and when we're sitting at the house and we're listening to the word of God being preached, we're wanting to hear the word of God preached, not a man 
man's opinion, not a man's uh, position on things, but rather we want to hear what thus saith the Lord. So we see the pressing for the scriptures. But then in verse number two, we see a process that stopped. The Bible says in verse number two, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now here's the thing, this process of washing the nets, Jesus is fixing to stop this process because he's fixing to come up and he's fixing to take over and he's fixing to do something that's going to spectacularly change the people that are involved for the rest of their life. But this process of washing the nets, if I can say this, that process of washing the nets was important. Why? Because if the nets wasn't washed and stretched out to dry, then whenever they did dry on their own, then they would be they would be weakened and they would begin to rot. And then when put to the test, they would break. Can I say this this evening? I'm afraid that in our churches, across America as a whole, we have some people that are not washing their nets. Why is that? Because whenever they're put to the test, they break. When they're put to the test, they get out of church. They leave God. They leave everything that they've ever known. But here this evening, we see a process that stops. So we see the pressing for the scriptures, the process that stops. But then we see in verse number three, the preaching from the ship. Hey, can I say this? I don't believe for a second that Jesus was some kind of sissified preacher. I don't think he was sitting on a little stool with his Bermuda shorts on and had a little tank top going on. Hey, you saw a preacher. I don't mind that. Hey, when I come to the house of God, I want to see a preacher. Get up and preach the word of God. I ain't in this contemporary nonsense. Hey, I understand my generation's going that way and they can have it. But here's the thing about it this evening. I'm still living the old fashioned way. I'm still living the Bible way. Hey, if it was right 60 years ago, if it was right 100 years ago, it's still right today. Hallelujah. It's all preacher. They just preaching their opinions. Here's the thing. Most of them preach their opinions, but here's the thing. Most of them say, well, preacher, I just, we say preach the Bible. Here's the thing, honey, you can't handle the Bible. You say, well, preacher, I just, we say preach like Jesus. Jesus is the one that got mad and took the scourge and drove them out of the temple, flipped over the money changers' tables. Here's the thing. We have got to get back to the preaching of the word of God. We go in all kinds of different churches and there's others here that do as well. But we go into different churches and can I be honest, whenever I'm not asked to preach, I don't preach. I don't try to take over a service in any way. But I sit there and I wonder, is this really what these people get week in and week out? Why is that? Because there's no content. There's nothing from the word of God to grow on. Amen. And I tell you this evening, you better thank God for your church. It's not like this everywhere. Church we're going to in New England and there in New Hampshire, it's a good church. We've got a good pastor that we're going into. As a matter of fact, I was there this past Thursday night. He preached out of the book of Colossians chapter number three and just went verse by verse by verse. But you know what he's doing? He's preaching the word of God. Amen. We see the pressing for the scriptures, the process, the stop, the preaching from the ship. But then go down to verse number four with me. The Bible says, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. You go down into verse number five and verse number six, or verse number six, and when they had this done, they let down the net and they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net. But you say, preacher, what was Jesus doing? Jesus was paying his bills. 
Remember, Simon's a fisherman at this point. He's not being called into full-time Christian service, if I can put it that way. He's not full-time in the ministry. He's been used by the Lord at some point. He's been used by the Lord at different points, and he's went to Capernaum and other places with it. But he's went back to his trade, and Simon is working, and he's actively trying to pay his bills. And Jesus walks up and says, hold on just a second. I need your ship. Yeah. So Jesus gets done preaching. When he gets done preaching, guess what? He says, all right, now launch out into the deep. Let me pay my bill. Amen. Can I say this this evening? I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure that I said it. He was working, Simon was working to pay his bills. His fishing was his trade. He'd worked all night and paid nothing and caught nothing. But Jesus is going to pay his bills. Why? Because Jesus is a debtor to no man. That's right. Can I tell you what I've watched God do in the last two years? July the 24th of this past year, we celebrated two years of being full-time in the ministry. And can I tell you this afternoon, we've got money in the bank, granted, because we're moving. But God's paid our bills over and over and over again. You can ask Brother Gravely. I talked to him about two weeks before I made the decision to go full-time. He said, I don't think you ought to go yet. I ain't got peace about it. Called him back a couple weeks later. I said, Preacher, it's time. He he said, how do you know? I said, God gave me a book, chapter, and verse. You know what he said? He said, all right, go for it. I have no reservations about it. And guess what God's done for the last two years? Every single gallon of gas that's been put in the vehicle, he's put it in there. Every single bill that's been paid, he's paid it. Why? Not because it was my bill, but because it was his bill, praise God. Hey, you say, oh, preacher, I ain't never seen no big love offering come in or that church ain't never took up nothing for me like that. No, but God lets you work overtime. God provides a side job. God lets you pick up extra labor on the side. You say, preacher, what's God doing? He's meeting your needs. We see the pressing for the scriptures, the process of stop, the preaching from the ship, the paying of the salary. But in this paying of the salary, I see something that intrigued me whenever Brother Gravely mentioned it. Verse number four, he said, Now when he had left speaking talking about Jesus, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Now here's the thing. I didn't do well in English in school, but I do know this. If you put an S on something, that means two or more, Right? But look at what Simon said. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have told all night and taken nothing, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Verse number six. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and what? Their net break. Now here's the thing this evening. Peter, Simon, Simon Peter, he missed the blessing of God in his life. Because he didn't fully obey God. Amen. So, but preacher, he had a great multitude of fishes. Yes, he did. But because he didn't let down the nets, That's right. the net break. Yes. Can I give you four things this evening? Here's the thought this evening. I want to preach just for the next few moments on this simple thought on missing the blessing of God. 
in your life. Number one, this even look at the command that was given. Actually, we can back up to verse number three. Jesus, and the Bible says, and when he, talking about Jesus, had entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people of the ship. Verse number four, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. So we see number one, we see the command by the Savior. That's right. He turned him first off. He said, hey, I want you to thrust out. Seemingly insignificant. But you know, if Peter never did what he told him to do to start with, right. he never would have got to verse number six. Amen. See, here's the thing. God can, God asks you to do little things. I remember preacher, when me and Hannah first met, I, we tell the people all the time, we ain't never had so much fun cleaning bathrooms. That's what we did at our first Jubilee. Clean bathrooms every night, work the drink station during the day. And here's the thing though. You say, oh preacher, that's just insignificant. Yeah. But if we hadn't have done that, something had to be done. Amen. If we hadn't have been mindful and being willing to be obedient in that, can I be honest with you this evening? I don't believe I'd be where I'm at tonight. Amen. You saw a preacher, that's just seemingly insignificant. Yeah. But here's the thing. There's no glory in cleaning the bathroom, is there? And please don't misunderstand me this. I'm not, trying to poke, I'm not trying to brag on me. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back by any stretch of the imagination. But whenever God asks you to do something, no matter how seemingly insignificant it is, he has a reason. Whenever my kids and you, your kids, well, I'll tell Titus to do something, he'll look at me and he'll say, why? I used to do it to my parents too. My parents are here this evening. They can testify to the fact. I say, why? And they look at me and then I now do the same to Titus because I said so. And sometimes whenever God says, hey, I want you to do this, sometimes I look at him and I say, well, why? You know what he says? Because I said so. Amen. But here's the thing. There's a command in verse number three. He said, I want you to thrust out. But then in verse number four, he says, now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, now I don't want you to just thrust out. Now I want you to launch out. I want you to go further than what you've ever been before with me on board. He said, I want you to launch out into the deep. He gives a command, thrust out, launch out. The word launch means to move or cause to slide from the land into the water. You know what he's saying? He said, hey, I want you to get out of your comfort zone where you know the fish are and I want you to go out there in those deep waters. Now, can I say this this evening? Whenever God the Holy Ghost begins to burden your heart about doing something, it will never go against this book. Amen. Never. Can I tell you three things that I know is not the will of God for your life? It's never the will of God for you to take your clothes off. It's never the will of God for you to glorify your flesh. And it's never the will of God for you not to come to church. Amen. But he gives a command. He said, I want you to launch out. I want you to thrust out a little bit. Then I want you to launch out. But then once we get out there, I want you to go against everything you know and I want you to let down your nets. We see the command, but then we also see the command of the Savior. We see the contrariness of Simon. Simon had to have been a Baptist. Look at verse number five. He said, and Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have told all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. I can hear him saying it. I can hear him saying it with an attitude. He's saying it like most of us was. Master, don't you know we've worked all night? We ain't caught nothing. And here you are wanting us to go out there. What are you talking about? Ever heard anybody talk like that? Have you ever talked like that? But here's the thing, verse number five, Jesus, or Simon looks at him and says, Master, 
We've told all night. Yes. And we've not taken anything. It's like Simon is saying this, Lord, we done worked all day and we worked all day for free. Anybody like working all day for free? Here's the thing. My son don't even like it. He'll get me in trouble sometimes, but that's just not the point. Brother Ellis knows that. And anybody was here last Sunday night knows that. But here's the thing. It's like going to work. Y'all ever been to work and then you worked all day long and it felt like you got nothing accomplished? And you went home at the end of the day and you're just frustrated and you're aggravated about the whole thing and you get home and you're like, I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to see nobody. I just want to go home and I want to wallow in my own self-pity. Anybody ever been there? That's where Simon is. He said, Master, we've told all night. We've taken nothing. It's almost like he's saying, Lord, do you not understand what's going on here? He said, we've told all night and we've taken nothing. And then he goes on to say, and that taking nothing there, you know what Simon Peter is saying? He said, look, Lord, he said, we're out here in this uh, Lake Gennesaret, which is the same. It's also called the Sea of Galilee. He said, now here in this Sea of Galilee, Lord, you know that you ain't supposed to catch the fish in the deep water and in the daytime. You're supposed to catch the fish in the shallow water in the nighttime. So Lord, there's no reason for us to go out here and launch out in the deep. And he's looking at the Lord and he's saying, Oh, we've told all night. We've taken nothing. And then he says this, nevertheless, what a smart guy. I mean, he's just such a blessing acting like he's going to do God a favor. Ain't that how we are sometimes? God will say, hey, I want you to do something. And we're like, Lord, that goes against everything that we know. Does you know what he says? He said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Yes. Here's the thing. He wasn't told to let down the net. He was told to let down the nets. Now those nets of fishermen, now I, I, be honest, I don't know anything about fishing. I'm going to be the first to admit that. If anybody's ever been fishing with me, you know I don't know nothing about fishing. I could go to a stock trout farm and still not catch anything. <laughs> I mean, trout would be all around my hook and I, nope, not getting that one. And they'd just swim away. I don't know anything about fishing. But I did do some research on this and you know commercial fishermen, Whenever I thought about those nets, when, preacher, when I started reading this, I said, well, he's just talking about one of them, you know, them little nets. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Y'all looking at me like, what are you talking about? But I thought he was just talking about one of them little nets. You know, I mean, I've seen deep sea fishermen and they'll go out and they've got that big old net and they'll scoop it down in the water and scoop up that fish. No, that's not what he's talking about. A commercial fisherman, they tell me that the nets that, they, that commercial fishermen can get, they tell me that they can be several acres wide. Now here's the thing, that's a lot of fish. I don't, if you're doing it for money, then you've got to have the best, right? If you're doing it for money, you've got to have the ability to be able to catch a lot in a short amount of time. You know what Jesus is telling Simon? He said, look, Simon, I know it goes against everything that you think you know. I know, you're, I know you think it goes against everything that you have learned down through these years of how to fish, but I want you to cast out the nets. What he's saying is, I don't want you to just give some of it to me. I want you to give all of it to me. Here's the thing. When you serve God, you can't do it halfway. You've got to do it all the way. Back in January, we made the announcement we was going to move to New England in September. And to be honest, me and the preacher talked about it. We talked about waiting until next year. And I, 
to be honest, pastors would have understood that. I really believe that. I was talking to Brother Peter on the phone one day, and I back mid June or it's actually late June, and he had, we were on a conference call every or now it's every Thursday together with some different New England pastors, and he shared with me. He said he told me he said I wasn't able to be on one of them, and he said that some of the pastors there in New England was asking if we was coming up in September like we'd originally planned, and he told them that more than likely we wasn't, and they expressed some disappointment, and he was sharing that with me on the phone, and I told him I said, well, preacher, I said. I'm not sure we're not still moving. Amen. And this is what he said. He said, well, let's take two weeks and pray about it. All right, so we took two weeks. The preacher, before the two weeks was over, I knew. Yes. God done told me, he said, look, I told you to move in September, back in January, and that hadn't changed, coronavirus or not. That's right. You know what we did? We started making preparation. Amen. And to the world, it looked like we was crazy. Yes. It probably still does. Do you know what? I could have went up there, you know, we could have went up in September and October and we could have spent six, eight weeks up there and come back and spent the winter here and then went back up in March, April next year and moved on up in April, late May, something like that. But that ain't what God said. Amen. God said, I want you to give all. I want you to move your family in September and I want you to go. Are we where, are we where I thought we'd be on support? No, not at all. But I was sharing with Ms. Sheila earlier today. For the last two years, we've got God take care of need Amen. after need after need. This past week, man, I'll be honest, it felt like we was bleeding money this week. I mean, it, it was bad. Between the moving truck and different expenses that came up along the way and different things we wasn't expecting, man, it felt like we was bleeding money like bad. And I saw, I get an email from the post office every morning with what's in our post office box. And in there was a letter, it was an envelope from a church, one of our supporting churches down in Smyrna, Georgia. And it just said the Frank family on the front of it, had our address on it. And I told my wife, I called my wife, I said, hey, won't you run by there and check that post office? On Thursday, and she said, all right, she run by there. Open it up. I said, it's probably a check. I said, just go by there and put it in the bank, whatever it is. And she opened it up and she's, I was, we was on the phone whenever, um, we was on the phone whenever she opened it and she said, how much do you think it is? I said, a couple hundred bucks. I don't know, 250. She said, you might want to add another zero. Amen. I said, huh? Amen. She said, this check's for a thousand dollars. He said, preacher, what'd you do? I, if I'd been holding the phone, I'd have dropped it, number one. He said, preacher, what was that? God, God was, that check was dated last week. Amen. Before we ever even started spending money, yes. God was already paying yes. that bill. Why? Because we put our faith and our trust in him. My wife has a devotional with us and she can't find the devotional. She might have made it up. I don't know. But there was a statement in that devotional. You know what it said? It said, faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. You know what we've watched God do for the last two years? We've watched God let our muscle get stronger Amen. and stronger. And so if you'd asked me two years ago, whenever we stepped out full-time, went full-time in the ministry, if we'd been moving to New England, well, what we got, I'd have said, you're crazy. But you know what? I've watched God prove himself Amen. over the last two years. As he took care of this need and he took care of that. And the Suburban we're driving this evening, we paid $18,000 for that Suburban. We only owe about 3000 on it right now. You said, preacher, why is that? We ain't even, we've only had it a year. Amen. 
And God has already taken care of that need. You say, preacher, what is that? That goes back to what God, Jesus was doing in verse number four down to verse number seven. He's paying his bills. That's his bill. That's not my bill. When we got in that thing, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't even know why we're going to look at this. We ain't got the money for a new vehicle. And I got in it and God said, this is yours. I said, well, Lord, you're going to have to work it out. And we walked in there and the lady looked at me. She said, well, we're, why don't we just do $1,000 down today? And that's exactly what I had in my pocket to put down on. Then we got in there and she's like, well, what about we do this? What about we do that? And then the the engine, the lifters went out in the engine preacher and the, the gentleman that owns the car lot, he called me and I told him about it. He said, well, why don't I just take care of it? Why don't I just help you pay that? I thought, well, he'd give her a couple hundred dollars. Oh, no, friend. He sent a check for $1,500 to help take care of an engine problem. You say, preacher, what is that? That's God paying his bill. Story after story after story. But here's the thing. It took full obedience. Not partial. Can I give you this? I got two more and I'm done. Number, one, number three. We see, or we see number one, the command of the Savior, the contrariness of Simon. Number three, we see the catch. They finally did partially what God told them to do in verse number six. And when they had this done... So we see the action, but then we see the affirmation that God really did tell them to do it. The Bible says they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Now, I don't know how many multitude means, but I know it means more than two or three. Because if it meant two or three, you know what he just said? They enclosed a few fishes. But that ain't what he said. He said they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. We see the action, the affirmation, but then we see the aggravation. The Bible says their net break. Can I be honest with you? When I read this text, I can see the Lord sitting back and kind of laughing because I'm, he's, maybe y'all don't picture it this way and if you don't, that's fine. But I can see him kind of sitting back and saying, yeah, if you had known what I told you to, that wouldn't be happening. Amen. You ever go to somebody and tell them, say, don't do that. If you do that, X, Y, Z is going to happen. And they say, oh, I, I, I know what I'm doing. And preacher, I know you've had this happen to you in 20-something years of past. They'll come to you and say, well, preacher, what do you think I should do about this? And you'll tell, or what do you, th- do you think I should do this? And you'll say, no, don't do that. God ain't in that. And they'll say, I'm going to do it anyway. And you know what happens? The exact same thing that you told them would happen, happens. Now, here's the thing. I can see Jesus as he's stepping back and thinking, yep, if you'd have done what I told you to, Amen. you wouldn't have missed none of it. But he said that, we see the aggravation, the Bible says their net break, but then in verse number seven, the Bible says, and, when, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships. And look what he said, the last part of verse number seven, so that the ships begin to sink. We see the aftermath. You said, preacher, what happened? Not only did they begin to sink, the other ship began to sink. Maybe I'm off here, and if I'm off, you come to me after service and tell me, and I'll correct it, but here's the thing. Whenever you miss the blessing of God in your life, when you miss the will of God for your life, it don't just affect you. It affects others around you. See, if they had cast out the nets, they would have been able to share the blessing with the other people that was in the other ship, but here's the thing. Because they didn't cast out the nets... Yeah, they filled both ships, and man, it's great that they did that. But here's the thing. How many of those fish got away? That's right. Because they didn't do what they was told to. 
We see the command of the Savior, the contrarianist, the Simon, the catch, but then we see the consequences of their disobedience. The Bible says in verse number four down through verse number seven, we mentioned it multiple times, so I don't want to tear you. But the Bible talks about a great multitude of fishes, and the Bible says their net break. You know, Simon was a commercial fisherman. He relied on fish to pay his bills. And he relied on what came in in those nets. And here's the thing. What Simon really truthfully did, and we used to say it this way, and I don't know, y'all probably get this, he cut his own nose off to spite his face. He missed what God had for him because he didn't do what God told him to do. Amen. Go with me real quickly to Hebrews chapter number 11. I'll close with this. Hebrews chapter number 11. I want to give you this and I'll be done. Hebrews chapter number 11. Leave your finger there in Luke chapter number 5. We're going to come back to that. And I want to show you something real quickly. But Hebrews chapter number 11. Look with me at verse number 5. The Bible says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For he had this testimony. For before his translation, he had this testimony. What? That he pleased God. Now I want to ask you a question this evening. Do you want to please God? Amen. Do you? We say we do. And I'll be honest with you this evening, my heart's desire more than anything, more than to see my name in lights, more than to get the great accolades. And honestly, I don't care if anybody ever knows my name. I'm being honest with you this evening. That's not my intention. But more than anything, I want to please Him. Amen. That's right. More than, than the very next breath that I have, I want to please him. And I know it don't make sense to the world. And to be honest, preacher, even to some church people, it don't make sense. But I want to please him. Amen. Look at verse number six. The Bible says this, but without faith. Whenever God confirmed it in my heart to move to New England, in spite of everything that's going on, you know what verse he gave me? Verse number six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Can I make this statement this evening? Partial obedience is still disobedience. You saw, preacher, you know, I talked about just going up a couple of times a year and going up for six, eight weeks this time and then moving up next spring. In the eyes of what everybody else would have thought, I'd have still been doing what God told me to. But that ain't what God told me to do. God told me to move. And see, I'd have been going for six, eight weeks, preacher. And man, it would have been great. And we'd have been able to do different things. But here's the thing. That's not what God said to do. Amen. God said go. Can I ask you a question this evening? How many times has we as children of God robbed ourselves of the blessings of God because we wasn't willing to fully obey? Yeah. See, here's the thing. God doesn't want just a part of your life. He wants all of your life. Amen. He doesn't want just, okay, Lord, you can have this part here, but this over here, you, that's mine. That's not what God wants. He wants all of it. You say, well, preacher, I've, I've disobeyed God before. Preacher, I, I've missed it before. Preacher, I, I've missed that blessing. God's told me to do something, and preacher, I haven't done it. What now? 
Look at verse number eight. The Bible says when Simon Peter saw it, talking about what happened. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. You know what he did? He repented and he got right. And because he repented and got right, look at what God did with him in verse number 10. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not from henceforth, thou shalt catch men. And look at what verse number 11 says. And when they had, when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. You know what they learned from verse number one down through verse number seven? That partial obedience is still disobedience. Amen. I don't know where you're at this evening, church. I'll be honest, whenever they took the offering up this morning, preacher, I saw people I didn't even know putting money in the offering plate. I'm just being honest. There are people here that I don't even know your name. I, that's probably my fault, but forgive me. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what God's asking you to do. But can I ask you this evening, church? Do you want to please God? Or do you want to please man? See, pleasing man, you can do that without faith. But you'll never please God without faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please Him.